Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Christopher Stewart to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. We're so excited to have you here today to talk with our audience. So, so Chris, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background um, with libraries. Well, hello. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Laura, for having me. And um, so uh, with libraries, I actually started working in libraries um, in undergrad. I graduated from St. Mary's College of Maryland, okay. and I started with um the academic library as a uh, work study. Okay. And uh, I was at the reference desk and I loved it. I loved it because it gave me the opportunity to answer people's questions. Mm-hmm. So it gave me the opportunity to do my homework yeah. uh, while at the reference desk. I mean, that's that was- true. <laughs> if you're um, on a job, that's a good thing. <laughs> they're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I really got my my start. Um, but I my major was still biochemistry back then. I wanted to oh, wow. be okay. UIN. All right, very good. So, how, what was that transition then? How did you end up in school libraries? Um, well, I definitely changed it from biochemistry very quickly after <laughs> when my grades said, um, "No, this isn't for you." Um, <laughs> and um, then I still love science, but. Uh, but I um I went into political science. Okay. And, uh, I then had a love for for law and just serving people in that way, um, volunteer um, working rather at the um, United States Federal Circuit Court of, of, of America, and um, that was incredible in Washington D.C. And I um, was looking for a job um, in, in earlier in the two thousands and came across the public library. Okay and um, the circulation desk. And uh, I really, really enjoyed an opportunity to be around books because I, at that point, I loved reading and research um, and writing articles and mm-hmm. school newspaper. Um, so that's really how I got involved in libraries. Okay, very good. So now you're in a, a school library in Washington, DC. That's um, right. So- how, like, how did you get there? And like, what does it take to become a DC librarian? Yeah, so I was working with them. Um, um, before I came to DC Public Schools, I was working for DC Public Library. Okay. I saw an opportunity to serve um, in the school system. Uh, I had a very, I still have a young family, but it was a very young family. And I thought, wow, this would be a great opportunity also to have my summers off. Yes. <laughs> so I said, let me go ahead and apply. And um, I knew that there was a small percentage of Black men in library, the field of library science. Mm-hmm. had no idea that it was very, very, very small. Very small, yeah. So, I, you know, um, it, it, it was, the interview was incredible um, with some great thought leaders uh, with D.C. Public Library, D.C. Public Schools, rather. And so I began serving at Columbia Heights Education Campus. Okay. Um, and this is my first year at John, um, John Hayden Johnson Middle School. Um, to be a librarian with DC Public Schools, uh, you have to have your bachelor's degree. Okay. 
you have to have your master's of library science or information in library science. And, um, or you should be very close to finishing. Okay. Yeah. Some states are nice or I don't know how to refer to DC. Sorry, but <laughs> no, no. Are, are nice and will accommodate, you know, people that are close like that. So that's good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're, we're doing that. And we, because of the amendment, we are looking for, for um, individuals who just want to serve these children. And you know, um, when you have the love for children, everything else can come, you yeah. know, the, the people are like, oh, but I don't know how to, it's okay. That all will come. Yeah. You really have a heart to yeah. um, give these children the best. It, yeah, it'd be just fine. And kudos to all of y'all in DC. I know y'all been through a battle, you know, this last yes. year. Yes. Fighting for your jobs and for, you know, the kids deserve this, you know, opportunity to have the school librarian. So thank you to what y'all done there, because it's an awesome model for people in other states and places that are um, maybe one day going to face that same kind of battle. So, well, yes, yes, we are so right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I know it's been going on for a while and it it definitely, you know, I, I mean, I had a couple of colleagues, you know, call crime because they either had already been accessed mm-hmm. um, or they weren't sure if their position was going to be guaranteed for the following year. And, you know, people have families, mortgages, rent, yeah. bills. And so, you in, you know, it's, it's different from just a job. This is a career choice. Mm-hmm. You look at that, your career choice is being, you know, pushed. You're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? So. Yeah. And we have to continue to advocate and fight peacefully. And um, we're so grateful. Definitely. Well, good. Well, congratulations to y'all on that job. Well done with that. So. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, you, you've talked about you're recently in this new job. And you could really talk about anything that's been like a first year. But, like, what do you remember about a first year in the library? Help, help my audience kind of get a feel for um, what your memories were like. Mm. So my first year in the library, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll talk about school library, I guess, okay. uh, and, and maybe throw in some public too, but definitely in the school library world, um, my first year was uh, getting adjusted, <laughs> to everything. Um, making sure that, because um, at the school that I was serving, there were a little over a thousand students. So I wanted to make sure that they had the resources, but also that I was connecting with their parents. Mm, okay. It really starts with relationship. Yeah. Uh, it's the biggest tool, even with the public library. Uh, I have patrons that I connected with over 15 years ago that I still keep in contact with. Wow, that's amazing. It's a relationship that is going to keep them coming back. Mm-hmm. Also, it keeps your collection fresh because you get, you know, for me with collection development, for the school library role, I'm asking students, what do you desire? Help me, you know, develop this collection. So they're giving me books that they like and types of books. The same thing with the public library, um, because we're there to serve them. We want a collection that represents that community. Mm-hmm. So it keeps it fresh. It keeps it exciting, you know, and it keeps the circulation numbers extremely high because they want, they want the content. Yeah, that's awesome. And before we started recording, I, I did had asked you, you are at a middle school, right? So just yes, so our audience can kind of place, you know, where you are right now. So, okay. Yes. All right. So is there anything that somebody could have told you at the beginning that would have been like, oh man, I wish I would have known that, you know, just some awesome advice? You know, 
<laughs> don't take work home. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess everyone has a, a different take on that, but uh, yeah. in the public school, I mean, in public, um, in the public library world, I wish I would have, uh, you know, kind of had that because I, I did. I, I would get off at around five, five thirty, and if I was working on a program or something, I would be up eight o'clock mm-hmm. to get this. Now I still do that, but I have a limit to, yeah. you know, because you, you have to have respite. You have to take that time if you're gonna if you're gonna fully give to your the audience that you're serving then you have to make sure that you're resting well and that you're taking time for yourself. So if I would have known that in 2005, yeah, it would have. (laughs) Self-care was not a word, you know, back then. It's definitely a word now, you know, through this pandemic time. But um, yeah, and and I was the same way, even that my first library job was school. But same Mm -hmm. thing, you know, I I would bring things home at night and, you know, my my kids were little then, but um, Mm -hmm. like, when I, as I progressed in my career, I started thinking when I go to the next job, I'm not going to let them know everything I know how to do. You know, <laughs> you develop so many skills and they'll, you know, thank you for doing that. You can do it again. You know, yep, that's right. <laughs> and yes, you want to be helpful, but you've got to look out for yourself. You really that's right. So, yeah. All right. So I, <laughs> I think you're already, you are already back in school. So talk a little bit about um, like, what did you do to welcome the kids back and really kick off this school year? Yeah, so I um, I made sure that I rolled out a, a website where students can find content, a, a parent tab, educator, faculty tab. Um, we rolled that out before school started to parents. Yeah, so to welcome them back, um, we actually rolled out a website that I created that has a parent um, guardian tab a faculty staff tab, and uh, just lots of activities and resources, um, students and the wider community. We wrote that out before school even started. Okay. And also a student tab. um, So we're actually going to kick off in about two weeks a a big um, event for two to three weeks, a big event for um, back to school um, reading uh, event. Um, so to really encourage students to to read um, I- any form, whether it be graphic novel, ebook, audiobook, um, through our apps and applications um, via Clever um, online platform, but also the physical book. And first book for our book club, which will be next week, is Stamped. Um, Jason Reynolds and Ibram Kendi and students um, will receive a copy. Also, at the end of the month, we're having a faculty staff book club and it's also stamped for where faculty and staff will receive a free copy as well all right so do you run that one too i assume yes you do you run the adult one too good yes yes so we're going to do outdoor social socially distant um with snacks and food and yeah yeah, yeah. that's good I, I used to always i would run one for my my teachers also um and i would for whatever reason, whatever book it was, we would try to tie food into it. You know, somehow we yeah. find food in the story and we would we would connect that. And that's what we'll have for snacks or that's how we <laughs> dinner at the end, you know, to celebrate. <laughs> food. Exactly. <sweet>. Yes, it <laughs> does. <laughs> All right. So when we're looking at um, this pandemic and, you know, 
it's kind of surging again. You know, we see it a lot with our kiddos, but still, we can still reflect back because we, you know, this has been a year and a half or more. But um, yes. what, what has really been like your biggest takeaway um, through this pandemic? I don't maybe talk about it professionally, like not not at a personal level necessarily. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, I I think my biggest takeaway um, professionally would be that I'm glad I'm in the field of library science. I'll say it that I I felt as if I kind of fell into it. Mm -hmm. I do feel that, but um, I I feel as if I, uh, that the field is changing in such a way. And I I believe people are beginning to see Mm -hmm. um, the change. And that is always beautiful to me um, because it's just not about, it's just not simply um, us giving books and resources. Yeah. We are creating programs and cultivating, helping to cultivate world leaders that are empathetic because of the activities that we have and that, um, that we create. And, um, and we're, we have the opportunity to create a narrative, um, to present a narrative to them through literature. Um, so I, I'm proud of the field. I think this pandemic has really, really allowed me to see how I want to continue to grow in the field. Yeah. Uh, so much so that I'm considering a, um, so pray for me, I'm considering a PhD in library. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's, it's an aging field, um, you know, at, at the, that level. And um so we definitely need people, but you know, so something that might surprise you, because you said in the field of library science, if you stick with school libraries, you don't actually have to have a library science PhD or EDD, um, because when you th- think about schools, um, it'll, of course, it'll depend on where you would apply for a job, but um, if you look at them and go and look at what the professors actually got their doctorate in, so like in, in the past, uh, mine is curriculum, it's in mm. curriculum and instruction, and then when you, may, when you choose that, then you kind of choose like your cognate or your major focus. And so my major focus was ed tech. And so, and that's part of the school library world. Um, mm-hmm. so some of my colleagues uh, took the same kind of degree, but they focused on reading. So there's, they have a doctorate basically in reading. And again, wow. that, that would fit into anything with the library, but, um, but go and look at some of the universities you would love to work at and then drill into the bios on those professors. And you'll be surprised because when I first was thinking about it, I was Mm -hmm. thinking, I mean, because you can't heart, there's very few library science doctorates. There are. (laughs) Right. But when you think about actually the narrow field or subject area, Mm -hmm. then that kind of opens doors. So do it. Okay. So thank you. That's thank exciting. You. <laughs> I'll support you. I'll do whatever you I'll give you advice and thank you. Listen thank to you to when you want to talk about dissertation topics. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anybody okay. who's listening right now, I, I would love to do that. <laughs> I'm so happy. Like and this past year, uh, before I had retired from Texas public schools, um, I, I got I was able to convince four people to go work on their doctorates. And they're all in different areas. They're all in different areas. Uh, they're all doing online doctorates. And so, yeah, so it's, the world needs more people and we need diversity, you know? So that's, yes, yes. There you go, so let's do it. Okay. 
All right. So Christopher, the way that um, I, I found you, of course, I did see some things online, but the big thing is you just won a huge award not too long ago. So tell us a little bit about that Mover and Shaker Award and um, what, what you did that got caught their attention. Wow. Well, um, so yeah, I, that is such a, it was such an honor to be awarded um, along with some amazing and incredible individuals. And um you know, I was just walking down the street and they were like, you know what? We're going to give that guy an award. No, I'm just. No, but I, um, you know, I, I think what really caught their attention was, um, you know, when the pandemic first started, when schools were, were shut down in March of 2020, um, that's when I began sending books to my students, mailing books and also snacks to them. Mm-hmm. going to their homes, wow. uh, getting in the car and driving to make sure that they had books. I, I understand with the students that many students do not like audiobooks or eBooks. Some, you know, but many don't. And so I didn't want them to feel as if, first of all, they're in class for five to six hours, roughly in front of a computer. And then to read a book, a new book that they may be interested in, they have to go back online to look at the ebook or audiobook or Kindle, yeah. them to have the physical copy if they wanted it. So I began delivering books to students and also their parents, because parents were like, yeah, could you get this for me? Yeah. And so that was incredible. But also as we have been dealing with in our world, in our country for so long, um, injustice of any type, Um, But when we specifically had injustice of so many black and brown individuals who were being killed um, during the first and second quarter of 2020, students were going to the protest. Mm -hmm. Now, we are still in the midst of COVID. So to have individuals that that are together in this space, in this small space, thousands and hundreds of people, I wanted to make sure that they were um, that they had uh, a guardian, so to speak, okay. them. So I would go down there with them to the protest, um, but also making sure that I um, had milk in my hand just in case we were tear gassed or um, uh, having water for them and little snacks for them to eat and maybe individuals we would see there. Um, so basically letting them know that the library is not in the four walls, in that space, in the building, the library resides outside as well mm-hmm. and, um, and that uh, of course comes with building relationship and when they know that you have their best interests at heart um, then they want to really hear what you have to say okay okay so I'm, I'm just curious did the students approach you or is it something you just noticed or how, how did how did you get started that you were you went out to support them yeah the students would um no, um, one one of the students reached out to me, maybe two reached out to me. And then I, for the first protest, I went down there and I saw other students okay. <laughs> were there. And so it, it kind of became this thing. Um, and with the students, uh, you know, went to a couple of protests um, as far as with them and seeing them there and, um, and supporting them in that way, making sure that they, um, because everyone's down there. Mm-hmm. And with protest, you know, with any type of protest, the majority of protests are peaceful. And definitely when it concerns um, civil rights movements, they've all been peaceful. At the same time, you do have individuals who um, are disruptors, who protest out to disrupt. So I wanted to make sure that they also were protected, 
you know, that they were, you know, um, sometimes our teens can be a little hot-headed. Uh, so to, <laughs> to encourage them to, to not be if, if someone says or does something that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about that idea of your, the library being outside the walls. Like, what else does that mean to you? Well, I think that, you know, we have to end book apartheid. Um, you know, when I was in the public library, I started this um, table that had free books and free food um, once a week. And for anyone coming in to the library, this table greeted them. Mm-hmm. Many people that were, co- many homeless individuals, many who are living in poverty that would come to the library and be there all day. Okay. So some of our libraries are not necessarily next to soup kitchens or, you know, a restaurant that may give free food mm-hmm. to make sure that they had healthy snacks. Um, maybe we would throw in some chips every now and then. But um, for the most part, fruits mm-hmm. and, um, that they could just eat, you know, before they went into the library or um, come back out a couple hours later and have something. So when I went to the public schools, I started that program there um, for the library to do that work outside on the corner. Mm-hmm. And it was so important because students oftentimes are being served, the ones being served. Um, they are oftentimes the ones that are being given to. Yeah. We are creating empathetic leaders. Then we get them to understand that it's not always about you. <laughs> that you have to help someone else. And so um, once a month would um, set up this table and um, students would help to set up the table, help to put the books out there. Um, help to figure out what books we should put out there, what I should buy from the store, they would tell me. Um, and um, and probably half of the students, I mean, half of the individuals who came by the table were students um, that were coming up to going to class, but the other half were community members. Oh, interesting. A, um, a banana or an apple or muffins and, a, and an orange juice um, and also a book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did, uh, did this turn it into like a club of some kind or like how did, which students did you work with? Like, So these were ninth through 12th graders at the time. Um, and they were just, these were students that loved coming into the library. Um, when I first started at the school, um, around lunchtime, have roughly five, six kids. Um, when COVID hit in March, 2020, we would have, we had two lunches for high school, roughly 40 to 50 students were coming. All of these students were not readers. Some were reluctant readers, but they were coming for relationship. Yeah. When, when getting them in the, in the library, that's when I can persuade you to pick up a book, you know? <laughs> so that was, that was the draw though, the programs and activities and field trips. And, um, and then I get you, I suck you in. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> good. That's a good point. Yeah. When we, um, we, uh, where I was, where I, I live on the Texas Mexico border, you know, so we mm. had a lot of issues, you know, down here. You probably see yeah. things in the news, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, years ago, we would do things in our, some of, some of our libraries, like, you know, clothing giveaways and, you know, different things, because you just, there's just so much of a need, you know, and, yes. and even if I was at the poorest school, you know, in the whole mm-hmm. district, we could still mm-hmm. do things like a canned food drive and anything that's going to make them be aware there are people out there in a worse position. That's right. We are. And that's right. Um, you know, it's just, 
and just that awareness, you know, is yeah. such a good thing. Very good. It is. It is. Okay. So if, if any of our audience is thinking, you know, I wonder how I could get started doing something like that. Can you think of any like first steps for them if they wanted to start working on that at their school? Absolutely. I, I would definitely say, you know, partner internally first, figure out those teachers, those teacher advocates and, um, and, uh, and administrators who really are going to be on board with something like that. Yeah. Not that's okay too, because you still have partners outside. I always say that, you know, if you don't have those internal advocates, there's so many, you know, external advocates. Um, so partner with different businesses, different, um, uh, nonprofits that are already doing that work that wouldn't mind volunteering or giving something to you, um, start small and grow it. You know, uh, even if you have a, a table with 10 books on it and just a few items of food, um, that that's a start and people see it and then it grows. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious about funding. Did you buy the food on your own or was there any money you had access to? Yeah, I, I wish I wish I, I you know, um, I had a, a budget for that, but uh, <laughs> school, uh, yeah. that would be incredible. But um, no, I, I went on my own, you know, I, I and it would literally it would probably be 20 to 25 dollars um, that I would get. And I would sometimes try to go to a larger club store so mm-hmm. I could get more for less. Yeah. And um, but you know, that, that would be enough to feed quite a bit, actually, $20, $25, which is interesting because we can go to the store, I mean, go to a restaurant or something to spend that amount, and we just have one meal. One meal, right. <laughs> store, and you can feed 30, 40 people, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, Chris, as we're starting to close up to our time together, um, talk to our librarians a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know you're passionate about learning since you're thinking about a doctor, (laughs) but what kind of things do you do or where do you go to so that you keep learning and getting inspired for, to grow? Yeah. So everywhere, (laughs) (laughs) Everywhere. I I love, I love just research. I love, you know, looking at um, different um, what's current out there, different lectures and especially, as you mentioned earlier, you know, because we're in a virtual setting, oh my gosh, so much is at our disposal. And you go to so many universities now, and they have some type of free webinar or lecture series going on. And so I just, you know, I'll just hop over to Harvard for a little while, and I'll be a student at Harvard, and then I'm over to Harvard, or, you know, Spelman for a little while, you know. <laughs> it's, it's so beautiful to, you know, um, but I also would say, to um, continue to partner with local universities, local businesses, um, to see how you can hone your skill, whatever you're passionate about. I knew some a librarian who was passionate about um, sewing, mm-hmm. uh, knitting, I'm sorry, knitting. And um, so she would actually knit blankets for the um, local shelter, okay. uh, shelter in the area. Yeah. Uh, but she would also, um, occasionally give books too. So she was a librarian, but she loved to knit, you mm-hmm. know, one dimensional. So whatever you're passionate about, continue to do that and also marry the two. Yeah. Possible. Um, yeah. I, I've seen some high schools that have like knitting clubs, you know, so it'd be easy to do that and then have a bunch of blankets, you know, to take. Exactly. You know, for donating. So very good. That's right. 
All right. So if our listeners want to connect with you on social media, where will they find you online? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. I do have an Instagram, but under the same name, but it's, I need to get better about <laughs> um, but I'm on Twitter at Christopher Pax, uh, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-P-A-I-X. And Pax is uh, peace in French. And uh, so I can be followed there. All right. Sounds great. Well, Christopher, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Congratulations again on your award. That's outstanding. And um, I just wish you all the best as you go through this school year. Thank you. So nice to meet you. You too. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.